so much for the privilege of coming before your throne today in the name of Jesus. We pray specifically for Mike and Debbie tonight. We know that the enemy is defeated because of what you've done, Jesus. God, we just ask you to move in a, in a, in a, in a mighty way, protect, comfort, surround Mike and Debbie with your angels. Help them to, God, help Mike and Debbie to rest in the truth of your word. God, we know that, uh, that your word says that you, uh, that you've given Jesus, him, you've given him a name that's above every name. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, mm -hmm. including including Satan and any, anything associated with him. Mm -hmm. We just, uh, we rest in that today. We just ask you to 
protect Mike and his household in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, amen. 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 Thank you. It's hard for things to get better if you never ask, put them out there for folks to, to get them around. So thank you. Man, I love y'all. All right, here we go. We, we talked last week um, about uh, promises. And we learned last week, if you were here, that all of God's promises come with a resounding yes through Jesus Christ. And if you were anything like me, that you sometimes wonder what those promises are. You know, I think most of us will get the, you know, the promise that He'll never leave us and never forsake us. And we actually, you know, kind of talked about that when we, when we uh, brought camp to refuge, remember? You know, that God is with us. He's in us. We are His temple. And, and so I think we get those. But what about all the other promises? You know, if people were to walk up to you and say, well, I hear you talk about all these promises, what are they? And how's that helping you today? So I thought it'd be kind of cool that we would walk through some of those, man, because, see, Jesus makes this statement several times. He says, I have come. Okay, how come? And He says them several different times in the Gospels, and so we're going to take those each week, and we're going to plow through going... Jesus, why have you come? And when we go through those, we're going to see some of the promises that Jesus is fulfilling and accomplishing and how that can affect our lives if we allow Him to. All right? So go ahead and start uh, finding on your screen or in the book, uh, Matthew chapter 5. It was first of the many. We'll find there in Matthew 5. And as you're finding that, what I want to do is I just I want to remind us what has transpired, what's going on before we actually get to the I have come statement in Matthew chapter 5. By this time, Jesus has been baptized. Remember, He's gone into the river. John the Baptist baptized Him. And if you were on the scene, and when Jesus comes up and out of the water, God the Father says, This is My Son, for who I am well pleased. And when He bellows that out, Jesus then starts teaching and coaching and preaching from that moment on. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And some translations, you know, most of the translations just have it just like that. And so, even before when He got to that moment, when he's, before He's saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near, Jesus did battle with Satan for 40 days and 40 nights in the desert. And I just love this because, see, Satan is doing what Satan does, and he, one of the things that he does is that he pokes at your identity. He wants you to question who you are in him. And that's why he's poking. And he'll do that with your identity first. And he did that with Jesus. Because he did that with Jesus, and, and you can almost just kind of hear the, just the sarcasm and just the, the seedy way that Satan would say, if you really are, I don't know what Satan would sound like, but I kind of want to think he would sound like one of those creatures that, you know, if you really are, and he's talking to Jesus, he said, if you really are the Son of God, you would turn these stones into, into bread. And Jesus says, you know that it is said that man cannot live on bread alone, that he lives on the bread of the Father. 
And then Satan, being Satan, wants to take him up to Jerusalem. Says, if you jump off of here, if you jump off, it says that the angels will catch you and you won't even harm your foot. And Jesus says, we're not to test the Lord. And yet again, Satan says, if you are the Son of God, I'll give you all of this. And Jesus says, get out of here. (laughs) I mean, he just says, Satan, get out. And he does. And at that moment, the angels came and they tended to Jesus' needs there for 40 days, 40 nights. He's in that. And Jesus is using the very thing that you and I are equipped with to combat Him. The very thing that we just did here for Deb and I. And then Jesus is saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And so it's, it's, it's crucial that we get the definition of repent here again. Because see, yes, it does mean this turning, but the, but the Greek word is metanaeo. 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 Y'all want to try that one? It's a tongue twister. Come on, try it with me. Metanaeo. Yeah, one more time. It kind of rhymes. It kind of rhymes. Come on. Metanaeo. Yeah, way to go. All right. It means to change one's mind. It also means to change one's mind, to abhor one's past sins. And so in that, it's key that we understand this as we keep going on and we roll to this first point where we see in Jesus in chapter 5, for the first I have come. The first 12 verses when you get to to chapter 5, you'll have probably heard that it's the Sermon on the Mount. Y'all familiar with that? Ever heard of that? Sermon on the Mount. It's on the hill. It's around Galilee. And Jesus is going up and He's going to start teaching. And Jesus is teaching a new way. He's teaching that I have come. And the first 12 verses in it are starting with, Blessed are those... It's actually been referred to as the Beatitudes, and that's what that means. Blessed are those, the Beatitudes, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, who show mercy, who thirst for righteousness, which is justice. Just listen to some of these things that he's rolling through. Blessed are those with pure hearts who desire and strive for peace. And so in there, he's talking to a mixed crowd. It would be much like us, gang, but multiplied by quite a few hundred people. And so he keeps going on. He says, blessed are those that are blasting you. The word in your book probably says persecuting. That's what that means. He says, man, be glad in it. Be glad that people are blasting you because there's a great reward in heaven for you. Quick time out. Does anyone ever get happy when someone is blasting you because of the name of Jesus Christ? <laughs> is anybody going to do the wave over that one? But he's saying, be glad, man. Be glad because you're helping people to start change. They're going to repent because remember, the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is here. Change your mind. I want to start changing your mind and your heart on how you believe that you're accepted. He then goes on in those first 12 verses. He says, you are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. Let your good deeds shine so that everyone will praise you. Or praise your Father, I'm sorry. And that's in verse 16. Let your good deeds shine so that everyone will praise your Father. So gang, real quick here. Whenever we pour out the bucket, who gets the praise? Jesus. Amen. 
Whenever you go and pick someone up that can't pick themselves up, who gets the praise for that? Jesus. Amen. Everything, gang. When you're in your home and you do a load of laundry or you get yourself behind a vacuum cleaner, who gets the praise for that? Amen. Yeah, I kind of let you peek into our house there a little bit. No, I love doing laundry. It's a, I really do. I don't like putting it up, but I like doing it. So look at verse 17. So he gets to this point, and he's at verse 17, and so here's Jesus. He says, don't misunderstand why I have come. It's almost like in those first 12 verses, he's calling a time out on himself. He said, look, man, I know that I just told you that blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who seek righteousness. Blessed are those who seek mercy. But let's get one thing straight here. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. Nope. I came to accomplish, which means to fulfill their purpose. Now, quick time out. What was the purpose of the law? As you're thinking, Luke 24, is similar. This is Jesus again. He says, When I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. And so he's telling that quick time out, and then he goes on back in Matthew. Look down in verse 20. He says, But I warn you, Unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. He's just said, repent, change, the kingdom of heaven is near. And now he's walking them through this and going, look, don't misunderstand why I've come here, gang. If your righteousness is not better than those of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Guess who was in that group that day when he's speaking this out? These old boys. And he's looking right at them. And unless your righteousness is better than these guys, you'll never enter. And so he's telling them, he's telling the ones that have been keeping the rules for all their life, you ain't getting in. It's got to be better than what you think you've been doing. So he knows that that would get their attention. And then he starts after that, he starts drilling towards the heart. And he starts saying, you have heard it said. And he makes a lot of those statements. You have heard it said that if you do this, and he's referring back to the old way, he's referring back to the old law, he's referring back to the writings of the prophets, and he says, if you have heard it said that if we go about this way, I'm telling you the truth. I tell you today that even if you do X, and I don't even want to label any of them because there's so many in there that he's saying, look, it's not about you. It's not about you anymore. And so still I go back to the question, what was the purpose of the law? Isn't that fun? You're kind of, are you kind of grinding that one a little bit? Has anyone ever kind of whipped you with the law? Man, i got great news for you today. So let's find out the answer because it's in this beautiful book. Go over to Galatians. And as you're going, let me give a little background. How was Abraham credited as righteous? As faith. 
Say it again. Credited his righteousness by his faith. That's right. He believed. Who did who did Abraham believe? God. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Why did he believe him? We don't know. Why do you? It didn't matter about Abraham. That's a thousand years ago. What about us? Why do we believe? Who is it that you believe? It's not a what. It's a who. And so as you're rolling through that, I'm praying that just light switches just start coming on for you. And when they do, you won't be able to help yourself but when you're out there wherever you are and love folks like crazy. Look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 17. So, Abraham was credited as righteous for having faith. That was the promise. It's the Abrahamic promise. 400 and some odd years later, the law comes in through Moses. And so we're still wanting to know what was the purpose of the law because Jesus just said, I've come to fulfill it. I've come to accomplish the purpose of it. Okay? And so here we go. Paul's going to lighten us up here. And he says, this is what I'm trying to say. Now, just before that, verses before what Paul had been saying, he said, Christ has come to rescue us. Has anyone ever wanted and needed to be rescued? Today? Because I do think, I tell you guys, I think sometimes that that's what happens to us as a body of Christ. That we go, man, I just needed Christ to rescue me from that moment. You know, when you ask people why they said yes to Jesus. And they go, well, I just really needed Him to rescue me from that moment. And I'm going, well, what about for today? What am I doing that could have Christ rescue me from me? Those things that I don't want to do anymore, how am I going to let Christ do that? Paul's going to give us the answer. And so that's what he's saying. He's saying he's rescuing us from the curse of the law. Paul calls it a curse. He says he's rescuing us from the curse of the law. Oh, I love it. And he said, this is what I'm trying to say. The agreement God made with Abraham, that's the guy we just talked about, could not be canceled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. And it starts to get thick here, gang, but you are capable. Hang on here. God would be breaking His promise. Verse 18, For if the inheritance... Now, what's the inheritance? Yeah. It's kingdom. Kingdom of heaven is near. It's life. Kingdom of heaven is near. So, for if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then it would not be the result of accepting God's promise. What was God's promise, gang, to Abraham? Through how? Many descendants. When, when Abraham was credited as righteous, God said there will be many descendants through your seed. Okay? Faith. That's the promise. But God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. And so that's what he's saying. He's saying, look, all of the resounding yeses are coming through Jesus. Let's plow on just a little bit further. Verse 19. So we still got to get to the point, what was the purpose of the law? Now gang, one more time out. The guy that's writing this would have been, he was in the tribe of Benjamin and he was a Pharisee. Now what did Jesus just say about the righteousness of those religious teachers and the Pharisees? 
Not good enough. Amen. And so this guy was one of them. And he's writing it and saying, here's the purpose of it. Verse 19. Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only. What does your book say? How long? All right, until the seed, until what? Until the coming of the child who was promised. The seed, the coming of the child who was promised. Who is the child? Jesus. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. We sing it every year. Here he comes. God gave his law through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. Verse 22. But the Scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin, so we receive God's promise of freedom only by how? That's it. Only by faith, only by believing in who? And here's the thing. What do you need to be free from? Amen. I heard somebody say it. Remembering that sin is part of the definition is unbelief. Hermesio. What part of the unbelief? As you turn, do you believe that you are who Jesus says you are? Let's hang on. Romans 3. We've got one more to hammer it home. Romans 3. Find that one. Romans 3, verse 20. For no one can ever be made right, that's justified, for no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Verse 21, But now God has shown us a way to be made right, which means justified with Him without keeping the requirements of the law. That was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are justified, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. (laughs) So now, what was the purpose of the law? How did Christ fulfill, accomplish the writings of the law and the writings of the prophets? How did He fulfill it? And i got to hear you say it because if you just keep listening to me say it, you won't say it out there. And I'm dying for you too because you're living it out. Now you've got a foundation when someone comes up to you and says, well, I don't believe in your Jesus, but I do believe in this guy, whoever that may be. I believe in Muhammad. I believe in Buddha. I believe in whomever. Same era. They had a lot of gods. That's why they were so specific whenever they would say, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And now God is saying, through Jesus Christ, all of those promises have been fulfilled. What is He fulfilling? None of those other guys died for my sins. Amen. What else? How does it give you freedom? Let's use these words here. What are you, who are you free from? What is your law? If I had to live by the law and therefore be righteous, I 
Amen. I'm accepted. I've got performance. So here's the thing. Even in this room, what are those things that we do within our own thing that we try to force onto someone else and going, he's just not as sold out for Christ as I am. Absolutely. All the shoulds and the should nots. There you go. Now you're starting to get lathered up. So what is your law that Christ has fulfilled? I believe most of the body of Christ believes that, that Christ has fulfilled the law of Moses. What about yours? Has He fulfilled your law? The one where you say, dude, you just ain't getting it. <laughs> you're not here every Sunday. What are you talking about when we look at other people? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Whatever I do to compare, whatever I do mentally to to that says that I feel good about my relationship with God. There are things that help grow your relationship, but what's your motive for doing what you're about to do? Is it for my salvation, or is it because of my salvation? Am I doing this because I think I'm out of? sorts with God or am I doing it because I love Him so much and I know that I am accepted in His sight regardless. So what is the the, uh, fulfilling? Here's what I think it is. There's no longer a need for a blood sacrifice. There's no longer you have a mediator to the Father. That's Jesus Christ. We get to come to Him boldly and confidently to the throne room of grace. We no longer need a temple because we are the temple. (laughs) I <laughs> love that. Man, you can eat whatever you want. I just threw that one in. <laughs> we all are about food. You know, we really are. You are clean through Jesus Christ. It's the promise of the faith given to Abraham thousands of years ago, and it is completely Jesus Christ's righteousness swallowed it up. He swallowed it up and He came blasting out so He come blasting into us and do what you're doing on a daily basis. I have come. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Last thing. Hang on. In your change, in your change of mind, in your change of heart, is that the change that needs to happen? in believing why Jesus has come. Has He fulfilled your law? Has He accomplished your law and swallowed your self-righteousness up? And in this room, it's a resounding yes. In this room, it's a resounding yes. In this room, it's a resounding yes. And now I want you to be empowered to go share that with any and everyone that will listen. Amen. Yes. Pierce. Yeah, I just want to, what you just 